uh, every summer, I was charged and tasked with learning verses, memorizing them, and, and then being able to answer questions about them. Uh, that's the gist of Bible quizzing. And uh, also being able to quote word for word. They're not very kind when it comes to that quoting word for word stuff. I mean, I'm telling you, there's people that are, they live and breathe Bible quizzing. King James Version Bible quizzing, where they make a five-year-old say word for word, then Peter, and down the line. If you miss a word, uh, if you skip a word, <laughs> if you even add an um, if you even add an um or an uh or a hmm, nope, that's incorrect. That's the world that I was raised in and, 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 and basically how I learned the scripture in those years. Well, the Lord brought back a scripture today that for that reason was one of my very favorite scriptures. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse, well, any of those verses are a pretty good one. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. Short, we love those three-word scriptures <laughs> in Bible quizzing. That was probably my favorite day of Bible quizzing was the day I had to learn 1 Thessalonians 5 because, man, I'm telling you, it was time. Okay, but verse 17, the Lord brought this to my mind. And as I was praying and thinking, I've thought about this many times since. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 7, uh, sorry, verse 19. I got it wrong. That's incorrect. Verse 19, it says, quench not the spirit. And I'll be honest with you, I've heard that taught about, preached about, or even just in my own mind thinking about it. What does that mean? Quench not the spirit. Don't quench the spirit. <laughs> Oh, man, I, I would get in trouble for sharing this in certain places. We had camp meetings growing up, and uh, the format of the camp meeting was basically worship songs, kind of like what we did today, uh, announcements and different things. And then there was always a, <laughs> there was always a, I don't know what you would call it, a marketing time where Somebody that represents the booths in the back where all these vendors are set up and they would come and, well, just so you know, we got this book back here for sale. And if you want to go buy one of these cloths, it's back. Well, we knew the drill by the time I was, I don't know, 12, 13 years old. And I don't know how, but we were able to escape from our parents just during these camp meeting services and sit way in the back, horse around, if we were even in there. Uh, but a friend of mine, when once this uh, this portion, of, I mean, we worshipped, man, we sang, we did all that, and then it was time for the book sales. And a friend of mine leaned over. He said, "It's time for the quenching of the spirit portion of the service." That was a joke. That was a joke. <laughs> but it, it, in those different ways, I think about what does it mean to quench the spirit. And I've even thought, okay, I, I'm, in, in times of prayer in my own life, I'm praying, I'm seeking God, and uh, maybe he even moves on me, and I feel like I'm starting to intercede or those things like Elder Hart mentioned. And man, I feel the Holy Ghost, and I'm praying, and this is great. And now I think, oh no, I can't stop, because the Bible says, quench not the Spirit. 
And if I stop praying as I'm led by the Holy Ghost, is that quenching the spirit? And I'm, I, I'm worried about this. And I'm just, I'm being honest with you. Is that okay? I, I, I'm trying to think, is this conviction? Is this misunderstanding? Is this fear? What is this? But so with the help of the Lord, I want to talk about this a little bit today, what it means, and then why, as Paul could say, just as easily as he said, rejoice evermore and pray without ceasing those nice short verses in this chapter where he can also say, quench not the spirit. Uh, We've had, we've talked about what it means to pray without ceasing We've talked maybe in some ways about what it means to rejoice and then rejoice evermore. Actually, all three of those verses, they have a continual meaning behind them. You pray and you always pray because it's continuous. You rejoice and you rejoice evermore because it's continuous. Well, here you have the spirit and you don't quench it. It's continuous. Okay. Acts. Chapter 2, while you're turning there, uh, this, this is not the spiritual part of this sermon, <laughs> message, whatever, but I was, I was on explainthatstuff.com. I had to go there for, for, for study. And researching of this. Because in, in my study of quench not the spirit, basically the word that relates to quenching is extinguishing. And I kind of got a little bit of a sense of what it means. To, <laughs> I could tell you another story where I had uh, myself and a few friends extinguished one time at a, at a youth camp. That was no fun. We'll save that story for another day. But so I have a little bit of personal experience with the workings of a fire extinguisher. But not good enough to get up here and preach about it, so I had to go and learn some more about it. Basically, the way that the fire extinguisher works, and if you've ever been around one or been in the room where one was set off, most of them, they've got a few different ways. We don't have any firefighters in here, do we? I don't want to offend anybody by how basic I'm making this and missing all the high technical points of it. But so basically the fire extinguisher, when you spray it at a fire, it works in, in a few different ways. But it's basically it's going to take out the air that's needed for that fire to continue to burn. Okay, so if we... <laughs> If we owned this building and we had the right insurance, I could do a demonstration. <laughs> but so you, if we had a fire set up and we had this little fire extinguisher and we shoot it, really what it's taking place, the whole, this is why I said we're going to make science spiritual. It's all chemical reactions taking place. Even from the time that that fire first starts, it's a chemical reaction. Okay, and whatever is being burned, the chemicals that make that up, and the oxygen in the air, and the substance, all these things taking place, and then that, as this website calls it, active energy, the thing that sparks it. Okay, the things don't just spontaneously combust. 
In other words, thing, this microphone is never just going to burst into flames. Maybe with the batteries on and if they're malfunctioning, maybe. But that, see, that's not, if I took them out, you, I, could, I could sit it there on the chair and I don't have to worry about it bursting into flames. Right? The seat that you're sitting on is not going to burst into flames. Your shoes aren't just going to catch on fire. Stuff does, there's got to be an active energy, something that causes that. Okay? Now look at Acts chapter 2. This is one of my favorite scripture settings where when I think of fire, this is where my mind goes. Acts chapter 2, we'll start at verse 3. You know, as this is and the, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Bible quizzers, you know this one. In verse 3, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. Now, if you want, maybe you've seen this in a Bible study chart or a picture of it somewhere. But they always have a visual of this, and there are literal things on fire over somebody's head. At least that's how I've seen it. In the pictures, because that's what the verse says, there appeared unto them. That means they saw it with their eyes. It appeared. Cloven tongues, that means a tongue divided, okay, like as of fire. So these, these divided tongues are on fire, and what did it do? Sat on each of them. So if I was looking around the room and this, was, this is what happened today, I would see fire, 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 fire. Burning tongues on top of your head. Okay, that's the literal meaning of Acts chapter 2, verse 3. There appeared unto them. Now remember, this is the initial outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Before this, this didn't happen. This was uncommon to them. It was, it was unknown to them. What is this? What is this? So it says they see these cloven tongues like as a fire. It sat upon each of them. Next verse. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. So this fire that sat on them represented the Holy Ghost. Now, it transferred spiritually from a burning flame on top of their head to an indwelling spirit of God inside of them. And in that transfer, they began to speak with other tongues. But I like how it uses fire to represent or as, actually as a visual of the Holy Ghost. And in other scriptures, Jeremiah the prophet, he says, it's like fire shut up in my bones. John the Baptist says that Jesus is going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. So we know that this fire, this chemical reaction, this, this substance or this activity, whatever you want to call it, the fire is representative of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is like a fire, okay? Now, as I've already mentioned, it's, it, it doesn't just happen. People don't just spontaneously get the Holy Ghost, just like your shoes don't burst into flames, okay? Don't confuse that with they've got to be in the church praying with somebody else's hands on their head. No, but it, if they're seeking, it can happen. If they're not seeking, 
it's probably not going to happen. Just like things don't burst into flames. Okay? But so you've got to have these elements in place. This also comes from this website. The fire triangles. Anybody ever heard of that? Or maybe you've seen it way back when in school and we forgot this. So, but it says there's three elements in the triangle. That's what it represents that need to be present in order for the fire to burn. Okay, continual burning. After that spark, heat, that's kind of a given, right? You're not going to have a fire buried in the snow. There's no heat there. Air, as we mentioned, the molecules that are in the air that make up the, uh, that environment for the chemical reaction to burst. And then the third one, fuel. What is burning? Okay, the thing that's burning. So that's how fire works. If you ever get that fire extinguisher or if you're ever cooking on the stove and all of a sudden the flames are a little higher than they're supposed to be, something's got to happen to remove one of those three elements in order for that fire to stop burning. Something, you, you can't just sit there, oh, I wonder when this is going to stop. Hopefully before it burns the house down. We rented a place one time and the ceiling was black when we moved out because of a little fire incident in the kitchen. The baker shall remain nameless, but she was standing up here earlier. And I was sitting in the living room, and all of a sudden, I get a show, fireworks show. And that, that fire climbed the wall, whew, ran across the ceiling. Thankfully, as quickly as it went up, it went out because of these elements that didn't just continue. But as I was reading, what it says is you will seek to remove one of those three elements. Usually, it's not the fuel. If you've got bacon that's burning on the grill, you're not going to, oh, let's get that bacon out. no. You're going to get burned, okay? So you, you seek, can I remove the heat? Well, nope. It's too hot. So you seek to remove the air from it, okay? So you get a fire extinguisher, and it, all, the, the, the chemicals that are inside that fire extinguisher suck that oxygen out of the air around the fire, and then there, that element is removed so it stops to burn. Or actually, this is a helpful little hint here. Keep a blanket or a towel somewhere in the kitchen within reach in case this happens. Because if you smother it, but the tip is get it wet first. But if you, you then smother it, what you're doing is you're blocking off the air that, need, that, that keeps that chemical reaction turning. You're blocking off the air. Okay? So what are we talking about? First Thessalonians 5.19, quench not the spirit. What are those things that are needed to burn? The air, the heat, the fuel. What it's saying is don't remove any one of those three elements, if the spirit is like a fire burning, and the scripture uses the word extinguish, don't extinguish the spirit, don't smother the spirit, 
okay, now I can get a little bit of a better idea of what does that mean to me. Am I make, do, I, do I know that the elements that are needed for this fire to burn? We sing the songs, set a fire in my soul. Okay, I've got a fire. We've got, we, we sing songs and we know that we relate this fire to the spirit inside of me. But what does it take or how, what happens when that fire stops burning? If I have quenched the spirit, I'm removing one of those elements. Now, it's also interesting to me that very often in Scripture, we see the spirit represented by air, breath. God breathed into man and then he became a living soul the life of God is in his breath or his air right especially when it says no man hath seen God because he's a spirit spirit doesn't have a form like Elder Hart was saying it's not a literal arm and not a literal face he's spirit so that's one of the three key elements is the spirit it's easy enough to just remove the Spirit of God when you start to learn more about God. What does God like to participate in? What does He approve of, if I can use that term? What does, where will He go? Where will He not go? What will He participate in? What will He not? And if I choose... To go somewhere he won't go, participate in something he won't do. Am I quenching that spirit? Am I cutting off one of those three key elements? Now, if this, if this doesn't sit with your theology, forgive me or pray through. I don't know whichever one's right. But I had to learn right away that you can get the Holy Ghost just like they did in Acts chapter 2, evidence of speaking in tongues, just like they did in Acts chapter 2, know that you have the Holy Ghost and then lose the Holy Ghost. There's, there, there's a, a doctrine that teaches opposite of that. They call it once saved, always saved. Basically, what that means is whatever you do, that according to their doctrine, to have the saving work of God, there's nothing you can do to erase the saving work of God. That flies in the face of quench not the spirit. It flies in the face of God's spirit. We are the temple, as it was said, his spirit dwelling in this temple. And then at what point would he choose to remove his spirit from that temple? Remember when Jesus was dying on the cross and he cries out, Father, why have you forsaken me? This is the first time that the man, Christ Jesus, had ever felt the Spirit leave him, forsake him. Why did that happen? Because he got to the point of death and I, he couldn't die while the Spirit was inside him because God is eternal. His spirit doesn't die. 
It's not like there's this short little time span in history of three days where there was no God. And then he, he spontaneously combusted and came back and there was a fire again. No, the man had to say, why have you forsaken me? Because he had gotten to this point where he was used to not quenching the spirit. This fire was always burning in him. Everywhere he went, he was working through the spirit, speaking through the spirit. And then he gets to that place of death. And God takes his spirit, that holy spirit, from the man in order to let him die. Now, we also know, and I've, I think it was just a couple of weeks ago when I talked about how sin brings death. Just as Jesus was approaching that place of death and no spirit could reside there, when I go into sin, no spirit can reside there. He was perfect, right? He knew no sin. When I become sin, he doesn't know me. And at that point, I've cut off that element of spirit, of air that's required. And I've quenched the spirit. The other two elements heat I heard I heard one man put it this way and I think it explains it really well it's hard to live for God easy what does that mean easy living for God in such a way that I'm just going to do the bare minimum It's not going to be a challenge to me. I'm never going to go into a spiritual challenge, a spiritual problem. No, I'll just step back. I want to keep things easy. And what he said is it's hard to live for God that way. And then the other side of that statement, it's easy to live for God hard. If I'm going to go everything I'm never going to back away from a challenge. I'm going to meet everything head on. Well, I equate that to the hot Christian, someone that's on fire for God. You ever heard that statement? They're on fire for God to such a point, they, I've heard it said they're going to charge hell with a water pistol. That's how on fire for God I am. Okay? They got the heat. They got the fire. How does that get removed? Well, like we just said, back away from a few things. Just on the spiritual dial, turn the heat down a little bit. Because, well, I I also got to do this. And if I'm full heat over here, I can't gently let this simmer, right? Or I can't let these different things in my life all go on. Or if they get too close to that fire, when I'm on fire for God, we'll just burn them right up. So they become less hot, if you will. That heat dial is turned down. They're removing the element of heat. We had lightning a couple of days ago. 
Did it hit here? I know it hit out in Sunnyside at night. Thunder. I saw on the news the next day the Yakima Training Center had caught on fire from a lightning strike. So it's got two of the three elements, heat and fuel, something to burn. It's not so cold that it won't burn. Then that third element, uh, the, the air, the heat, and the fire. And then that active energy, that was the lightning, right? It wasn't going to just combust on its own and start burning into flames. But the active energy, the lightning, hit it. And then what do you have? You have fire, right? Now, the third element of fuel, this is what's being burned. When the Holy Ghost sat on those individuals, they didn't literally catch on fire, okay? <laughs> but like I said, there, it, it appeared to them, and then it transferred into their spirit. Their spirit became alive. Their spirit became living and on fire. This is the individual. The fuel is the individual. That's me. Everybody say, that's me. I am the fuel for the fire of the Holy Ghost. This is probably the easiest one to picture removing to be quenched. Because all I have to do is decide, nope, not here. Not in me. I am not fuel for the fire. And in doing so, that quenches the spirit. I, I think the, the, the problem is that we as Christians, we get so used to being right at that burning point. We know we, we've caught on fire enough times to know and recognize, here it comes, here's the heat, it's about to happen again. And you, you, you learn that level. It's kind of like, we're using a lot of kitchen and cooking analogies today. It's kind of like when you have to cook two pizzas in the oven, right? You have to wait the whole time for preheat for that first pizza. Preheat, preheat. Well, it's taking forever. And then it's out. You don't have to. That, that first pizza's done. Large families, amen. That first pizza's done, but somebody's still hungry. So you got to cook the second pizza. You don't let it go all the way down to zero. Oh, it's going to take about 30 minutes, but then we're going to have to preheat it again and get it just right, 400 degrees before we... Nope, we, we know how to take out that first pizza, put the next one in while it's still the right temperature. And as Christians, we know what that right temperature is. We know what the setting is and how to get to that setting quickly. But not, I have to always be cooking. <laughs> Not have to always be burning. And what am I doing? I am removing the element, the fuel, me. I'm removing myself or I'm just withdrawing myself just enough to not have to be on fire. To not have to be burning or the term that I would use, full of the Holy Ghost. I don't want to live in that place. Don't want to live in that setting. Amen?
Let's pray. Jesus, God, I pray right now you work over us, God. God, I want to be full of the Holy Ghost, Jesus. I want to always be burning, God. I don't want to quench your spirit, your work in my life. Jesus, in your name. Jesus, in your name. I believe, God, that you've placed your spirit inside of us, God. You've began your work through us as vessels, God, as fuel for your fire. And I pray, God, let us continue in these things. God, let us continue to walk in your spirit. Let us continue to move as led by your spirit, Jesus, and that we would not quench, God, whatever it is that you're calling for us, God. Jesus, if it's additional things that, are, that need to be done in our life, God, I pray let it continue to burn. Let it continue to burn in my life, in my spirit, God. In the name of Jesus, you know, often throughout Scripture we see fire mentioned as a purifier. Something that purifies other elements. That's, that's another purpose of fire. That's why you're put in fire. That's what, I'll put it this way, that's what the Spirit does in us when it's burning when it's active, it's purifying, it's burning stuff away to leave only what needs to be left when you are tried by fire, right? Now, when you feel that fire burning, don't quench it. I mean, it's, it, I'll be honest again, it's, it's difficult Especially when you start to feel it melting a little bit, dripping away a little bit. It's softening up this impurity. The Lord's working on it. I know that he is. It's reaching that point where it's about to burn away. I have to let that continue. I have to let it. If I don't, I'm quenching that fire, quenching that work of the spirit. I don't want to do that. I, that's my prayer. Lord, continue to let it burn as it needs to burn, to be burnt away and purified. You shall come out pure as gold. Elder. Praise God. Why don't you pray with me right there where you are right now? Would you do that? Would you talk to the Lord? In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, hallelujah, Father. We desire you and the operation of your spirit in and with us and through us, Lord, to be yielded vessels unto you that your will is wrought in the earth. In the name of Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus Christ, Father, it's our desire to be pliable in your hands instruments of righteousness used for your purpose father let us not quench the working of your spirit with us and through us but be cognizant and aware father in tune with you in fellowship with you in the name of jesus christ in the name of jesus christ in the name of jesus christ praise god we, we associate so much as human beings, we associate so much with feeling. 
feeling. And so oftentimes we associate the working of the Spirit with feeling. Nothing wrong with that. God made us people that have feeling. And oftentimes when the Spirit of God is moving, there is feeling. Um, but, you know, I relate to you the story earlier of being very spiritual, waiting to sell some item from offer up in a parking lot. When we choose not to quench the Spirit, putting these things in operation in our life, seeking to be sensitive to the Spirit of God, it doesn't mean we always feel something. But it means these elements that are being talked about, we're ever in tune with them. I, there's some scriptures, I'm going to finish here, but I, there's some scriptures that were quickened to my spirit as Brother Flowers was sharing these things. The idea that we are the fuel, where is fire most often found in scripture? Not a trick question. Where do you often find fire showing up in scripture? The altar. The altar, right? Raise your hand if that makes sense to you. The altar, right? Remember, wasn't it Elijah that prayed a 62 or 63 word prayer and fire fell on the altar? Right? The Lord told Moses to give him the plan of the tabernacle, right? And the altar of sacrifice and the Lord caused fire to fall and light the altar. And the Lord told the priest, don't ever let the fire go out. On the, you understand, that was a type and a shadow. We see Abraham going up to offer his son Isaac. And Isaac looks to him and says, Father, you know, you got wood and you got fire. But there's something missing here. To use Brother Flowers' example, there's no fuel. Where's the sacrifice? The fuel is a sacrifice. The fuel is a sacrifice. You understand, you couldn't just take any old thing and throw it on the altar and say, you know what, I got fire. I got air. You know what, this chair would be a good sacrifice. I'll just toss it up on the altar. You know, Cain tried to just throw anything out. How'd that work out for him? Didn't. Scripture says the Lord had no respect for the sacrifice. The fuel is the sacrifice. So quenching not the spirit starts always at the altar. Always at the altar. Always at the altar. Always at the altar. And so I have a question for you. If the fire is ever upon the altar and the element of air, the breath of God is ever present, the only thing missing is what? The sacrifice. The one thing that we provide, I feel the Holy Ghost right. The one element we provide is the sacrifice. The other elements are dependent upon God. 
The only part of the fire burning that's dependent on us is the sacrifice. This is why the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, I beseech you, or I'm imploring you, I'm begging you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your... What are we supposed to present? Our bodies. And we're supposed to present them as what? A living sacrifice that is holy and acceptable unto God. And he went on to say, which is your reasonable service. If you and I don't want to quench the Spirit of God, there's only one way to make sure the fire continues to burn in our life, day in and day out, week in and week out. It's to daily when I get up, daily when I start my day, Daily when I begin moving, I've got to put myself on the altar. I have got to be the sacrifice. The fire serves a purpose. What does it do? What was referenced? It consumes all the impurity. So when I lay up on the altar, I'm praying, God, let the fire of your spirit burn in my life. Let it consume away the things that are of my flesh. Let it consume away the things that are of my human nature. Let it burn away the impurities of my own thoughts. Let it burn away the impurities of my own life. And let your spirit consume me, Lord. I'm reminded of a quote from the 1700s when Charles Finney made this statement. He said, when I preach a revival, people will say, what's your secret? He said, my secret is this. I get with God and I set myself on fire and people come to watch me burn. He, of course, wasn't speaking of literally setting himself on fire. He was speaking of being so in fellowship with God, staying on an altar of sacrifice until people no longer... You understand what fire does to the sacrifice, right? Fire never glorifies the sacrifice. Fire never causes the sacrifice when it's all said and done to get up and go, you know what? I am a good sacrifice. Look at me, aren't I quite the sacrificial specimen? No. 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 Fire consumes the sacrifice. Fire consumes the sacrifice. How much of it? Well, I go back to Elijah. He built an altar of 12 stones, dug a trench around it, put a, cut a bullock up and laid it on the top, put, I believe it was 12 buckets of water over the top of it till it soaked the altar and the wood and the sacrifice and filled the trench around the bottom. And then when the fire of God came, it consumed the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and it licked up the water round about the trough, the scripture says. You know what the children of Israel remembered after that? You know, I don't think any of them got together and said, you know what? That bullock was something special that he cut up and put on that altar. It was the water. The water he got, that was it. No, you know what they were talking about? They were talking about the fire. Where the fuel we're the fuel. And when 
we get on the altar at the beginning of our day, why don't you stand with me? And when we start our day on the altar of sacrifice and pray, fire of the Spirit, burn in me. Fire of the Spirit, burn in me. Fire of the Spirit, burn in me. Now, let's be real about this. Why is it that all the sacrifices in the Old Testament were always consumed? Simple. They killed them before they put them on the altar. We're not dead sacrifices. The Apostle Paul said, present your body a... Ah, there's the issue. There's the issue. I'm a living sacrifice. And since I'm alive, I have a... I'm going to get myself in trouble here. I've got to think of the right way to say this without hurting anybody's feeling. If I... Let's do it that way. If I take this... I was... I was I was almost going to say, if you take yourself like a cow and throw your. See, some ladies are already giving me the eye. Now, if I take myself and I put myself on the altar and I'm living and that fire starts burning, it gets hot. What does a living thing do? Jumps off. Right? Get off. It's hot. And so they used to. There was somewhere they say, bind yourself to the altar. Bind yourself to the altar. It gets hot, and you know what happens is, and it produces what Brother Flowers was talking about. The fire begins to burn hotter, and as a living sacrifice, it gets hot, and it goes, it's killing me. Ah, that's its purpose. To where there's none of me left. And it's only him. You say, it's killing me. It's painful. Yes, but stay on the altar. Stay on the altar. What happens afterwards is worth it all. He's glorified. Stay on the altar. But the living sacrifice says, I can't. And bails. So the fire goes out. So what happens? This was the, that, so the first verse that was quickened in my spirit was Romans 12. The second verse was Revelation 3, I believe. There was a church that didn't want to stay on the altar. Because it was too hot. And so the scripture says, they said, you know what, we're rich. We're increased with goods. We have need of nothing. That's what they said about themselves as a church. And the Spirit of the Lord said, You're blind. You're naked. You don't even know it. He said, You're not hot. You're not cold either. You're just lukewarm. You know what that tells me? They were close enough to the altar to feel the fire. But they weren't on the altar because they weren't consumed. They were still full of themselves. If I don't want to quench the spirit, I've got to stay on the altar. I've got to stay on the altar. Amen? And there's not a one of us in this room that wants to quench the spirit of God working through our lives. 
We want to allow him to operate in us, don't we? We come here. We receive the word of God, I trust, into our spirit. The word of God and the spirit of God begins to work in us. And then we go out. And we go out. And I want to go out on fire. But I don't want to wait until Wednesday night Bible study to stay on fire. Tomorrow morning when I get up, I'm going to find an altar. And I'm going to pray, Spirit of God, burn in me. Lay my life down. Crucify my will. Crucify my thoughts. Crucify my desires. Crucify my will. Let your kingdom come. You rule and reign in my life. Let your will be done. Let the fire of the Spirit of God be operative through me for your glory and your purpose. Amen. Come on, lift your hands with me and talk with the Lord right now. If this is your prayer, if this is your desire, I believe it is today. I believe it is. Say, Lord, let it be. Lead me by your spirit, Father. Let the fire of your spirit burn in my life. Let it consume away the chaff. Let it consume all those things that would hinder my depth of walk with you, Father. Let the fire of your spirit burn in me. Let the fire of your spirit burn in me. Let it illuminate things that ought not be in my life. And then, God, I'll offer them and let them be consumed by the fire of your spirit. To where when I go out about my day, people no longer see me, but your spirit manifests itself. In the name of Jesus, we pray. In the name of Jesus, we pray. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Let the fire of your spirit so work. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You understand today by the Spirit. When His Spirit is burning within you. And you begin to speak. It begins to have an impact on lives. And it's nothing you produced. You just simply stayed on the altar and let the fire burn. You didn't quench the Spirit. You allowed it to work. And so what happens? I'll tell you what happens. It's nothing you and I did other than get on the altar. I'll tell you what happens. You'll meet somebody sitting in a parking lot when you're not feeling spiritual. And they'll jump out of their car and run over. And you'll just say a word or two and they'll break down weeping. Because you did something, not because you did anything. But because the Spirit of God was operative and working in your life. You'll be teaching an anger management class and people won't understand why it's so different than any class they've ever been in before. Because the Spirit of God is operative in your life. The fire of the Spirit. Amen. Praise God. Greet somebody. Tell them to get on fire and stay there. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.